Well, we're going to dive into our message now, and uh, to start things off, I want to ask you, if you had to sum up everything about Jesus in one word, what word would you use? If you had to just pick one word to sum up everything about Jesus, what word would you use? Some of us might use the word teacher. So we really love Jesus' teaching and how powerful it is and how amazing it is, how wise Jesus is. And so for some of us, we might use that word teacher and say that's the word that would come to mind. Some of us might use the word kind or compassionate. We know how much Jesus cared for the people that he interacted with. And so for some of us, that word might come to mind to say kind and compassionate or caring. Some of us might use the word healer. We recognise what a powerful job Jesus did and continues to do in people's lives uh, to bring physical, spiritual, emotional healing. And so for some people, we might use the word healer. Some of us might get really, really clever and say Messiah or a big word like that where we talk about Jesus being the rescuer or the saviour, the one who comes to make us right with God. And so we would say, well, Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, That's the word that we would use. If I had to pick one word... That word would be love. If I had to sum up everything about Jesus that I know, if I had to have a starting point in a conversation with someone about Jesus, that's the word that I would use, would be love. Today, as we continue this series where we're unpacking Jesus' greatest hits to talk about some of the most profound and deep and transformative teaching that Jesus shared, we're going to have a look at what Jesus has to say about love because Jesus himself says that is the most important thing for us to focus on. But as we unpack that, there's a lot to it. So hopefully uh, you grab some teaching notes on the way in so you can jot things down as we go through today's message. And if you have your Bible with you, you can open up to Matthew chapter 22 because that's where we're going to go in a couple of minutes. But a little bit of context for the passage that we're going to look at today. Jesus has been sharing some very, very startling and surprising stories and concepts that are challenging the core of what the Jewish leaders believe was most important about their relationship with God. And more than that, Jesus has begun to show that he's operating as the Son of God, as the one who has been empowered by God to do the work that God's got for him. And there's this hint that he may even be, that word I used earlier, the Messiah, the one who is the chosen one, the one who had been foretold for centuries and centuries that someone was going to come at some point to be able to make everyone right with God. And so there's some rumblings that Jesus might be that guy. Jesus might be the Messiah. But the religious leaders are having a very, very hard time with this and are very sceptical that Jesus could possibly be the Son of God or that he could be the Messiah because he really didn't fit the picture that they had of what the Messiah was supposed to be like. And so they're really, really struggling. And so in chapter 22 of Matthew, the religious leaders come with some very specific questions to try and challenge Jesus. They ask him one question about taxes and they ask another about what happens in the resurrection for people who've remarried. And uh, you can have a look at those if you like during the week if you're interested. And what you'll see is that the crowds were absolutely astonished and blown away with the answers that Jesus was able to give to these questions. So the religious leaders don't give up. In fact, they double down and they come up with one final challenge and one final question for Jesus, which is where we pick things up in verse 35. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses. 
So Jesus is asked what is a pretty great question, really. What is the most important commandment in the law? What's the most important one to focus on? Now, most of us would be aware that the Israelites had been given the Ten Commandments. So Moses had been given the Ten Commandments up on the mountain. Charlton Heston, we know, portrayed that so beautifully, standing up there so grand with the stone tablets. So these Ten Commandments that God gave to the Israelite people. And those instructions were God saying, if you want to know what it looks like to live in a healthy relationship with me and with each other, to live the way that I created you to live, these are the things that you need to do. If you focus on these 10 things, then everything else will kind of take care of itself. But over time, the Israelites managed to find all of these creative loopholes and all of these ways of just working around those 10 commandments. And so in order to fix that, more laws were added in. So loophole, law, loophole, law, loophole, law. Until over time, by the time Jesus comes along, there are over 600 laws that you needed to know what you needed to do in order to continue to have a right, healthy relationship with God. Now, I don't know about you, but 600 laws sounds like a lot to try and remember. Trying to remember 10 is hard enough. Trying to remember 600... That's outrageous. And so that's why we read about these people who were called the teachers of the law because they were these experts who spent their whole lives studying all of those laws and trying to understand how to interpret them, how to apply them, and what to do if people broke those laws. What are the things that you needed to do in order to fix the mistakes that you've made? So hoping to catch Jesus out, one of these religious leaders, one of these experts in the law, comes to Jesus and says, which of those 600 plus laws is the most important one for us to focus on? So you can imagine that the crowd at this point would have kind of all gone into a deep silence, started to lean in. There would have been this massive hushed expectation. What's he going to say? Which one is Jesus going to pick as the most important law? Is it one of the laws about the right way to give an offering to God? The most important one must be about saying thank you to God for all that he's done for us. Is it one of the laws about how to make yourself pure? We all make mistakes and so one of the laws surely must be about how to make ourselves right when we've made a mistake. Maybe it's one of the really simple laws. Don't kill people. That's really important. Make sure you don't do that. Tick that box. Good. Haven't done that this week. Some of the Jewish leaders might have expected Jesus to say that the most important law was actually the law about wearing tassels on your cloak, which seems like a bit of a strange law, but for religious leaders and for Jewish people, that was a key way for them to remember other laws. And so it kind of would have been a hook to be able to say, well, if we focus on having those tassels, that's going to remind us about all the other things that we need to remember. Well, Jesus replies in verse 37, and he says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So Jesus' answer to what's the most important law is to quote something that would have been very, very familiar to the people who were listening. He actually quotes something that's called the Shema, which comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, which Jesus repeats here in verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. 
The people who were listening would have been very familiar with this because, as a faithful Jewish person, it's your responsibility to say that twice every day, to say it in the morning and to say it in the evening, to remind yourself, this is the things that I need to focus on. And what Jesus is really saying here is love God with every single part of you, with your motives, with your being, your thoughts, your actions. Don't just show your love for God in the way that you act, but show your love for God in how you think, in how you speak, in what motivates you, in your emotions. Different translations use phrases like love God with all of your life, with all of your power, with all of your strength, with all of your understanding, with all of your affections. The message says love God with all of your passion, your prayer, and your intelligence. Love God with all your passion, your prayer, and your intelligence. And this is so great because it gives us an opportunity to pause and to reflect and to ask ourselves, am I focused on loving God with every part of who I am? Is every decision that I make motivated and informed by a desire to love and honour God? Do all of the things that I do show that I'm focused on my love for God? Or am I just going through the motions or living out of a sense of obligation or religious practice? As I said, the people who were listening would have known this verse so well because they quoted it to themselves morning and night. They needed to say it out loud. And as I've thought about that this week, I thought that's probably a good habit that we could cultivate. Certainly, I know I could benefit from that each morning, being able to stop and check my love alignment. Am I looking forward to loving God this day? Are the things that I have planned for this day infused and motivated by God's love? Am I starting my day recognising that God's love is all around me and shapes my sense of self-worth? Or am I spending my day trying to earn God's love or earn God's favour? What does it look like to start each day saying, God, I want to love you faithfully today? And then at the end of each day, to be able to reflect back, to stop and take some time, say, how did I go focusing on God's love today? Did I show my love for God in the decisions that I made, in the choices that I made, in the things that I did? Do I feel a deeper sense of connection? Do I have a deeper relationship with God than I did at the start of the day? As I went to work, as I went to school, as I went to uni, as I did things around the house, as I interacted with people, as I went and did the shopping, as I spent time with family and friends, how much was my focus on loving God? That's an amazingly helpful practice for each one of us to adopt. Because Jesus says that's the first and greatest commandment, to love God with every part of who we are. Now, the people who were listening would have expected Jesus to stop there. And so it would have kind of caught them by surprise when he continues on and says, and the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. Because what Jesus does here is to take a second law that's from Leviticus chapter 19 and pair that together with the Shema from Deuteronomy. And it's really important to note that Jesus doesn't say the first one, love God, is the most important commandment. And the second one, love people, is the second most important commandment. In its original context, what Jesus is actually saying is a first and great commandment is to love God with every part of who you are. A second and equally great commandment that is just as important is to love the people around you. 
Jesus takes something that would have been incredibly familiar to the people that he was talking to and fuses with what it looks like to put that into practice in the outworking of our lives, in the way in which we treat the people around us. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel a little bit overwhelmed and challenged with this idea of loving the people around me. It can feel so overwhelming at times because we think loving people around me means I need to do everything for everyone. I need to meet everyone's needs around me. I need to make sure that everyone's taken care of. I need to make sure that I serve everyone. So that can start to feel very, very overwhelming. But I think the reality is that sometimes we forget how simple love can be. But at the end of the day, love looks like just saying something encouraging to someone, just offering someone a smile, just sending someone a card or a note or a text message to say that we're thinking of them, just stopping and asking someone, how are you doing today, and actually stopping and listening to the answer, genuinely caring about what's going on in someone else's life. Love doesn't necessarily have to cost us anything other than choosing to be present and making it a priority to focus on the people around us. But it's interesting that Jesus doesn't just say, love your neighbour. He says, love your neighbour as you love yourself. There are two really, really important concepts here for us to see. Love our neighbour, which makes sense, but to do that in a way that reflects the way in which we love ourselves. And I know for me, the way that I love myself can often go in two very extreme different directions. So sometimes, I'll be honest and say, I can love myself a little bit too much and be a little too enamoured with myself or think about myself a bit too much. And so Jesus' corrective here is helpful because what he's challenging is to say... Do I focus on other people as much as I'm focusing on myself? Do I look out for other people the way in which I hope that people are looking out for me? Do I treat other people the way I hope people treat me? Do I speak to other people the way that I want people to speak to me? So sometimes this is a helpful correction to say, well, I want the best for myself. Do I want the best for others? But I'll be honest and say sometimes I can go to the other, other extreme as well and not necessarily demonstrate a healthy level of love for myself. And I can be incredibly harsh on myself and extremely critical of myself and speak to myself in ways that I would never, ever, ever dare to speak to anybody else. And so this is a helpful corrective for us as well to say if we feel like we should love other people by treating them kindly, by saying nice things to them, by encouraging them, by recognising that when they make mistakes, it's okay and there's forgiveness in place, that's how we should love ourselves. And some of us need to not be quite so harsh on ourselves and say, well, we should love ourselves the way that we love the people around us. Jesus' instruction here is unbelievably profound. Love your neighbour as you love yourself. Treat other people the way that you want to be treated, but also... Treat yourself the way that you know God loves you and God knows God loves the people around you. Treat yourself the way that you know you would treat other people the way that you do when you're in a good headspace. And Jesus then wraps all of this up in verse 40, where he says, All of the law and all of the prophets hang on these two commandments. The message translation says, These two commands are pegs. 
Everything in God's law and prophets hangs from them. Jesus tells us that everything that has ever been a part of what it means to follow God, to honour God, to be faithful to God, to stay in a right relationship with God, all of it can be summed up simply by focusing on those two elements. If we get up every day and ask ourselves, how can I love God more today than I did yesterday? And how can I love the people around me the way that I know God loves them and the way that I know God loves me? then we will fulfill everything that God has ever wanted for us. We will fulfill what God's original design was for us when he created us. We will live in a healthy relationship with him and with each other. As I prepare to finish up my time at Brooklyn Park next week, I'm really, really grateful that these distinctives are at the core of who I know we are as a church. I know that one of the key distinctives about us as a church is that we are passionate about loving God and passionate about loving people. I see it, I hear it, I feel it in everything that we do, in the priorities that we set and in the times when we know that we can do better, I know this is what's driving us, that we know that we can love God better and we know that we can love people better. I know that at the heartbeat of our church is this desire to show the people around us that we love God and that we love them. And so my prayer is that that will continue as one of the core defining markers of Brooklyn Park as you head into this next season that's ahead. That when people think about Brooklyn Park Church of Christ, one of the key things that will come to mind is that is a group of people who love well. That is a group of people who love God. That is a group of people who love the people around them. In some ways, it is ridiculously simple. Love God, love each other, love ourselves. It's that simple. And the good news is that we don't have to do any of this so that we can earn God's favour. God already has shown his love to us in the most powerful of ways through Jesus' life, death and resurrection. So we don't focus on loving God and loving the people around us more so that we can somehow hope that God might love us more. But instead, we focus on those things as a response to the incredible love that we know God's poured into our lives. That in some ways, us loving God and loving the people around us is simply a response that God pours so much love into our lives that we want to share it with the people around us. It's so simple. However, and this is what I love so much about Jesus' teaching, it's also so incredibly complex, so incredibly complicated. When we think about what it actually means to love God with every single part of who we are, to put love first in all of our motivations, that's challenging. When we think about what it means to love the people around us all of the time, that's challenging. When we think about what it looks like to love ourselves well, that's challenging. But that's why the journey of following Jesus is one that we commit to for our entire lives because there's so much for us to learn. There's so much for us to grow in. There's so much for us to put in practice. And it's important to recognise that this is a challenge that each one of us needs to take on because we can only be known as a church that loves God and loves the people around us if each one of us commit to it. We can't outsource this to someone else. We can't say, well, we'll set aside a small group of leaders and they will love God and love people well and then we'll have that reputation as a church. 
It takes all of us to focus on this, to make this our priority, the defining marker of who we are, in order for that to be the defining marker of who we are as a church. So with that in mind, I want to give us an opportunity to think about that as we head into this week. What does it look like to put love first this week for you? What does it look like for you to focus on loving God, loving people, and or loving yourself as you head into this week? And I would love you to think about that in a practical way. So not just, yes, I should make that a higher priority. What's one thing as you head into this week that you can focus on that you know will help you to take another step in that direction? Take some time to reflect. We'll come back and we'll pray and transition across to communion. God, we thank you that ultimately you are a God of love. That from the beginning of your plans for us, since before the creation of the world, your desire was for us to experience your love. We thank you, Jesus, that you came and lived your life and that you died and rose again so that we could experience that love in all of its fullness and in all of its completeness in our lives. And we thank you that your desire for us is that every day is an opportunity for us to go deeper in experiencing that love. We pray that as we move into this week, that you would fill us up to overflowing with how much you love us. 
that that's how you see us, that's what you want for us. But we pray that you would do that, not just so that we feel fulfilled, but that you would fill us to overflowing so that your love spills out of us and so that we can live out what it is that Jesus, you have spoken to us about today. This idea of putting love first, being able to respond in love for you, in love for our Heavenly Father, for all that you have done for us. That love would be the defining motivation of everything that we do. But also that we'd be able to put love into action in the way that we interact with each other, in the way that we interact with all the different people that we're going to see this week. And we pray that you would also allow us to recognise what it looks like to love ourselves well. To recognise that you want us to see ourselves the way that you see us, that you want us to see ourselves the way that we know you see others. So as we move into this week, help us to focus on love and love and love. In your name we pray. Amen.